Good Friday, everybody, and welcome to the weekly Wassel. This is Ahad together with Indre. Indre, how are you doing? Hello, I'm yeah, quite good. And how about you? Going well. Weekend means uh, Friday means weekend, so that's always something good to look forward to. Um, we will see what what is the plan for us this weekend. I think we have some parties to attend. Uh, me and my wife and my little one, so that's oh. always going to be fun. Nice that you'll do it together. Bit. Yeah, we're going to have some uh, friends' parties at home that we need to go to some birthdays and all of that stuff. So something exciting. We are too tired of staying at home all the time. I think it's nice. Oh. <laughs> Although the weather is getting a bit bad, but we'll try our best to make the make the most out of it. So oh, nice. today I want to discuss a little bit about positive psychology, and that's why I have Indra here with us. Uh, Indre is a psychologist and uh, whatever we talk about today, I do want to mention that it is not clinical advice because this is not a private space. And if you want to know more about these things and if you want to uh, go deeper into it with a professional, then Indre uh, is is a professional that, sh- that can help you out. And if you want, you can always look in the description and you, you will find the links to Indre's uh, pages and all those uh, links to book. But yes, or, begin, yes, yeah. and you can also always go to your family doctor because I'm uh, yeah, also not uh, I'm limited to s- certain people what I can help with. So I think if it's uh, yeah, you're adopting, I think it's also always best to go to your family doctor, also depending where you are located. Indeed, indeed. But it's, it's perfectly fine. Whatever we say here is just to be taken as education. Uh, but that's also fine if you want to reach out to us to ask a little bit more. So without further ado... Indre, why don't you tell us a little bit about positive psychology? Yeah, so yeah, positive psychology is uh, like often like quite new branch of uh, therapy and quite new branch of research. However, it was about it. It was also focused before. So it's uh, often quite a misconception that people think that positive psychology is mainly about focusing about positives and thinking positively. But uh, often it's much more than that. It's uh, about also looking about character strengths, about self-esteem, and how all of this contributes to our well-being. So, and uh, what about you, Ahat? When you when I suggested your topic about positive psychology, what did you know about it? Do you, did you know anything about it? I, I have practiced uh, positive psychology myself a lot. Uh, I think it's it's a wonderful domain, and uh, it is pretty much backed in science. Uh, by science, I mean not just social science or like uh, psycho- psychological science, but also actual empirical studies in which you see how the brain functions and uh, the impact it can have. Recently, I'm reading a book called, uh, I don't even know the name anywhere, but uh, it's called Behave, I think. And it's a book uh, by a a neuropsychologist uh, or a neurobiologist. And uh, they're going deeper and deeper into everything, like the amygdala, the prefrontal cortex. And it's explaining every single thing to me about how our genes and our biology dictates most of our behavior, but that doesn't mean it's it's limited to that. Our behaviors can also change our biology. So that's where I think positive psychology really helps. Like you might be more predisposed to negative feelings because of whatever uh, biology you had or experiences you had, but through exercise of these techniques that we did, we're going to discuss, you can rewire your brain into becoming a bit more positive, for example. So, but what I have a question for you is a lot of time people hear positive psychology and they go like, ah, it's just boo hockey. It's just, oh, trying to fake it, optimism at its finest. 
how do you how would you try to explain to someone that this is not just a happy go lucky there is something more meaningful here yeah so for example yeah something similar as you say with we all often tend to focus on the negative and what goes wrong but often we really neglect uh, the positive in us and this positive can also often ha- can help us to be more resilient and overcome the adversities and various other like challenges so for example if you there's something that is not going well you can also often use your strengths to overcome these things which are not going well or often sometimes you can even compensate with the things which goes well and uh, there's also so much other things that you could learn to enjoy in life which could also help uh, compensate the effect of the negative events so I think that's why it's also really important to also focus on it because it uh, yeah, can increase, largely increase our well-being and also yeah, make us more uh, like resilient to cope with various uh, challenges. And um, yeah, whether for you, when for example, when we talked uh, like last time a bit about uh, with eating disorders, and then you, so for example, when from a positive psychology perspective, if we were to study it, we would study what are the factors that uh, makes you not to have it, like in which circumstances you do eat normally, what makes you to eat uh, like healthily, or and then we will look how to repeat that. So yeah. when we uh, focus on this, what works for you already, what uh, and try to, or what strengths do you have, what can help you to do it and uh, helps to maintain us. So I think it's yeah, really important to focus it because it can help to... Mm, to overcome the problems that we have. I understand. I understand. I, I really like the topic that you've just mentioned about, about eating disorders because last time we talked was like uh, more than a month ago. I think even more than that. Um, and that's when I think the little one wasn't here yet. So something really changed in that last month. Uh, I told you that I was walking like 15,000 steps a day, mm-hmm. yet I was not losing weight because I was eating a lot of junk food. And you told me something like, yeah, but maybe the fact that you do walk 15,000 steps a day makes you overeat because you think you're doing a lot, right? Mm-hmm. So you you basically yeah. are trying to justify it. Mm-hmm. So that really, really was interesting to me because I was like, that doesn't make sense. Well, I am walking 15,000 steps a day. I should be losing weight. But then last month, because of the little one, I was barely walking. Yeah, mm-hmm. rightfully so, right? I don't have much time to get out of the house and she's always uh, here demanding food or diaper change. Mm-hmm. So... I barely walked 5,000 steps a day, barely. And uh, I have a competition on Fitbit with my Pakistani friends. And you can imagine how bad the lifestyle in Pakistan is that even while I was walking 5,000 steps a day, I was still the number one on the leaderboard every week. Imagine when I was walking 15,000 steps. So it was very interesting that I was only walking 5,000 steps a day, but my eating was very nice. Uh, because uh, we were eating at home, we were eating a bit cleaner, and I was losing weight. I am still losing weight a little bit. So I was pretty confused. I was like, okay, I'm not working out, I'm not exercising, but I am losing weight. Yeah. And yet, that could be the reason that I'm eating clean, but even with eating clean, it's just, uh, I always try to eat clean when I'm working out as well, but I feel like because when I work out, I give myself a pass in my head that, you know what? I can eat a bit more <laughs> because mm-hmm. I worked out today. And that's that, That's the power of thinking, right? And positive thinking is just like an element of that thinking. You try to justify to yourself anything, right? So we will get into some exercises uh, and, and some activities on how you can do this, like trying to trick your mind into thinking about the good stuff like gratitude or positive thinking. But before we do that, 
why don't we take a little bit of a step into the history of positive psychology? I know you want to touch a little bit upon that, that where it came from, where is it based on, and when we can move into uh, the techniques and the real frameworks that yeah. we are going to be discussing. Yeah, so yeah, very shortly, it's also quite based on the humanistic psychology, which is based on Rogers and from as uh, also from Maslow, we see human needs, and uh, at least uh, the humanistic psychology originates from Greek philosophy. And so we see it's uh, yeah, quite connected and it's also not something completely new. And uh, any other like proof to show that it was also practiced before, for example, before World War before World War II, there was like free focus in psychology, one of them to cure the mentally ill, to improve the healthy one, healthy lives and to nurture talent. But after the wars, all of it started focusing only on the first one to cure mentally ill. And all of the psychology model was based on this disease model and just to, key, to cure those who are ill. And I think right now, yeah, many people when they think psychology, you should go to psychologists only when you are very sick and uh, not doing well. And uh, a lot of us, maybe that's why we are afraid of seeking help. And uh, But I think in psychology, it's much more than that. You can also improve your daily life and improve the life of uh, normal people, even if you're not sick. And uh, so now it's slowly coming back, this principle of positive psychology. But yeah, yeah. it shows uh, yeah, how it was also focused before. But I do like your point of view about going from preventive care to prescriptive care. And now also we are thinking more prescriptive that, okay, or, or they call it reactive care, right? Once something happens, then you are interfering. But preventive care is, no, before something happens, we want to interfere so that that thing never happens. And that's, that's the trick behind it. Uh, the current whole medical landscape right now is functioning on a prescriptive or reactive basis that, okay, once you have a disease, then come to us and I will figure, and we will fix it. But not that, okay, how can I maintain myself disease-free as much as I can? And I think positive psychology really, really helps there in trying to keep you mentally disease-free as much as, as, as we can. And I do like how it comes a little bit from Greek philosophy, because if you go into Greek philosophy, you do see different elements of, of happiness in Greek philosophy. So you had Stoicism that came out from Greek or Roman uh, area uh, regions. And there it was all about control what you can control and don't care about what you cannot control. And you can imagine that goes a little bit hand in hand with what we learn in positive psychology, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same that you think about adaptive thinking think about positive thinking, you think about what you can control. There is no point in worrying about what other people think of you. Focus on what you can do in with your current actions. And same with uh, Epicurean philosophy of living in the moment. Epicurus was this philosopher who used to talk about f happiness being a state of mind. And he would say that you do not need to be happy. You do not need to have a good life or live long to be happy. You can be happy in any point in time which is also similar to what we're going to discuss about, you know, gratitude thinking and having and cherishing those memories that you, you're making. Mm -hmm. While Aristotle, the third biggest phase of, of, of uh, positive psychology in a way, back in, back in the day, used to talk about a good life and happiness being something that you accumulate over time. So once mm -hmm. you are done with your life, only then you can look back and realize that, okay, was this a good life or a happy life or not? Now, this is something that I don't see much in positive psychology. Positive psychology is a lot about in the moment and really like using the tools at hand to bring you happiness or positivity now, not really like looking back. Mm 
So with that history, let's move into uh, some of the techniques and frameworks. First, we're gonna look a little bit at gratitude, right? And gratitude mm -hmm. thinking. So what is there that we can talk about? Yeah, so for example, about the gratitude, uh, it's often um, like there's so much things that you could be grateful every day. So, so by noticing these small things, uh, so I think sometimes people have trouble finding it, but they can really take time and, for example, write down what they're grateful for. It can be something simple things for the good weather, for the fresh air, or that they that you woke up alive or that you... Uh, and really take time to be happy about it. And uh, the more you do it, the more you will really start appreciating what you have. Or for example, that you have where to live or that it's uh, now peace here. And uh, yeah, for example, me, like one time ago, when I started practicing it, I was really in the mood and I was writing even 100 things what I'm grateful for like every day. And it was also often uh, repeating. And I noticed uh, how grounded and how appreciative I was at that moment. And when I, I was writing, writing, and now I notice how automatically I just feel grateful about many things. And uh, yeah, you mentioned uh, that gratitude is more about the present. You can also review uh, what you wrote in the past, what you were grateful for when you don't feel well. And that it can also good. uplift your mood. Yeah, I, I yeah. do see that being a very good use case. I actually do the same. I, every day I wake up, I have this planner in which there's like three things I'm grateful for and three things I'm looking forward to for today. That really grounds you and, and makes you think about in the moment. But to be honest, 100 things to be grateful for and stuff like grateful to be alive, grateful to be a walk, to be able to walk, I, I understand those point of views, but I, I struggle to resonate with it. So whenever I try to write it, I always fall back on, I'm grateful for my wife. I'm grateful for my family. And now these days, uh, my little girl is always number one. I'm grateful mm -hmm. for Leah. I keep saying that on, on the thing, but I go like, there must be other things and there are other things, but because I'm so focused on my family and things that give me joy like this, that I struggle sometimes to say stuff like, oh, I'm grateful for the rain. That just dropped by because it's been such a bad weather with the warmth and everything. I would love some rain. Oh, I'm grateful for the meal I had yesterday, but it doesn't come to me. So I can imagine it is difficult for some people as well. So how, what can you suggest that would make it easier for people to write things down? Hmm, yes, I see. Yeah. So for what you say, for you, it's easy to identify like where family things that you are grateful for, but it's harder, I see, for you to find some other aspects. Yeah, so maybe then uh, what could be good, for example, to remember, was there any case, for example, when you were very in bad situation, for example, very wet and you didn't have like a warm clothes, or maybe you were somewhere in the tent and very cold and shaking, or uh, yeah, just to try to remember, or maybe just to see uh, maybe people who are really are suffering and are living in really bad circumstances and see that, oh, I'm, I'm not like this. I'm uh, living, uh, I'm not in that situation. So maybe that could also help you to appreciate what you have more and to really feel that feeling of uh, how lucky I am yeah, and uh, to remind it. So maybe, yeah, maybe uh, yeah, I'm just like improvising now, but maybe also watching someone who is... Uh, yeah, not doing well, trying to feel empathy for them and mm -hmm. then to understand like how much I have or remembering yourself in the situation where you didn't have not been well. Yeah. Because I, before I used to uh, travel by 
like hitchhiking yeah. and often uh, and that's not the sound sometimes when I travel without it I do realize it how nice it is and also I used to also sleep in the tent and when I yeah don't sleep in the tent also see how nice it is to be in the, in the other like a uh, warm place yeah uh, I get it I, I I get your point of view I think it's very interesting to remember the difficult times I do have difficulty doing that because my personality is is of a grateful personality. So because we are raised in such an environment in Pakistan that we are always told to be grateful for whatever we have, we never consider something to be bad. Mm-hmm. So there's something I explained to uh, another uh, another guest on the show about uh, in a previous conversation that in countries like Pakistan, India, you have a very bad downward spiral of, of of social security. So there is no social security like in Holland, right? Or like in the West that you have a net that this is the bare minimum you can go. No, it can keep going worse. And if it can keep going worse, you will always have someone worse off than you. So you will always have a reason to be like, oh, I don't have it that bad. And I do love gratitude, but I feel like this is a negative application of gratitude because imagine if you don't, if you're stuck in, in a rut and you want to get out of it and you need to put the energy and the effort to be like, you know what, I'm going to do better than I am today. I'm cold, I'm hungry, I'm wet, and I need to be warm, toasty, and with a roof over my head. I want to I want to strive for that. But you struggle to strive for that because you go like, well, at least I'm not as bad as that person. That person has nothing. That person is on the ground. He, That person go like, yeah, but at least I have a full body. That person does not even have a hand. That person does not even have two hands. And then, you know, see, it keeps going down. Then mm-hmm. people just are happy to be in their place because they go like, at least I'm not as worse as that person. So sometimes that scares me a little bit that gratitude might enable contentment or settlement. Mm-hmm. What What are your thoughts on that? Ah, so then it's, uh, I think it's also in that way, it can be as important to feel grateful what you already have, as well as uh, reach for goals, which is also an accomplishment. So it is another also element in the positive psychology. Also do, also look what can you do more or where you could use your strengths. And also maybe another element mm-hmm. is also strengths to identify what you can do well, and also to use your strengths to achieve uh, the goals you want and, uh, and also to reach also for something better and what you, truly brings you meaning. And uh, but it's also I think often psychology, psychology is a bit warned because some people, it's a bit maybe another uh, economical topic, it can be harder to get out of where we are. We are. And yeah. it's often uh, this new movement, we say like, oh, everything is possible. You can achieve anything. Exactly. But, uh, but sometimes it, it can be not the case because sometimes people can get, be really stuck in uh, where we are. Yeah. Um, but then it's, uh, yeah, so some it's not might be suitable for everyone, but I think, uh, to more answer your question, I think it can be as important to focus on what you're happy for, as well as try to create goals and seek, uh, for something better. Yeah, no, I understand your point of view. And I, I agree with you that it needs to be a balance and it needs to be mixed. And we have discussed, uh, we will discuss goals and accomplishments uh, down the road, but let's move on to one of the other topics. It's uh, what uh, Epicurus also talked about, as I mentioned before, savoring positive moments. So can you tell me a little bit more about what that means in positive psychology? It's also a bit, uh, can be a bit uh, related to the gratitude, to yeah, really taking the time to appreciate also the daily life. So I think uh, this might, I might, it might be difficult for you because you seem to be a very social and active person. 
uh, it often requires a lot of uh, peace and calmness and enjoying the moment. So, for example, when you are drinking tea or drinking coffee or eating something, to really taking time to do it. For example, to once I also did one exercise uh, in one uh, organization that we had food. And before we ate the food, we spent maybe like one hour uh, maybe thinking about it. So, for example, how that food was grown and really thinking that this food was someone grown, how it was transported to you, how someone washed that food for you, and how yeah, now it's here and trying to really smell it, feel the texture, feel the taste. Yeah, this is the longest version possible, I think, uh, what you could do. But if you, yeah, just uh, whatever you do, try to really see it and try to really feel it without hurrying without uh, it's also a bit a skill uh, you might some thoughts might come but trying to really focus on what you do on uh, on the meal or on uh, it, it's not can be not only the food it can be if you are taking a walk to really try to appreciate uh, the surroundings that you have and to yeah then before i also suggested uh, this uh, mindfulness in the nature it could also be used there but you really look what is there and really try to appreciate it and appreciate the smell and try to feel different senses so but uh, yeah being in the moment and trying to see the best possible in that moment mm. and i understand i understand and i can see the value of it but if i have to ask you after doing that one hour exercise about the food how did the food taste very good <laughs> yeah yeah i think yeah, we really did with fruits but uh with, with grapes and i think it felt uh, i think it felt very good and maybe i don't know maybe i like now re- grapes a lot maybe because of that uh, so yeah the food felt really really nice yeah, uh, yeah. I, and i do like the concept but i also struggle with the practicality of it sometimes that okay if i have to wait so long to eat my food or take it so slow every single time while I'm eating, it can become a bother, but I do agree because I'm a fast eater. So my wife always complains to me. And one of the reasons that I also have this eating disorder issue, right, is because I eat fast. So when you eat fast, you do not feel full. By the time you overeat, then your brain finally registers that, oh, hey, by the way, you're full. And then now you feel overfull because you're eating too fast. So I am a fast eater. So I never understood the concept of slow eating. My wife would be like, you're not t- enjoying it. You're not really, I'm like, I am enjoying it. I can taste all the flavors. I can taste this. I can taste that. I can taste this. I can taste that. But I just don't need to, like, I don't need to chew with it in my mouth for like half a minute or a minute to enjoy the taste. I can just eat it, taste it, and then I swallow it and I go for the next bite. And you can imagine how difficult that becomes when we're going out to eat together because whenever you go out to eat together while we're on a date or something, I'm done with my food. 20 minutes before she's done with her food and then the next 20 minutes I'm just waiting (laughs) and I'm just looking at her I'm looking here and there and she's getting annoyed because she's like do something and I'm like yeah but I cannot be on my phone that's rude but you're eating so we can't talk so what do we do and now I'm just like waiting maybe just drinking a lot of water waiting for her to be done and she says that she feels a lot of pressure to finish fast because I've taken so fast to eat so it is very difficult for people like me to take it slow. So do you have any tips that can make it a bit easier for us yeah. to take it slow? Yeah, yeah maybe this one hour, I think, is the highest, longest possible. So I think it's uh, not necessarily something 
to aim now, but for example, you could try to aim for, for five minutes, try yeah. to like with five or maybe even to begin two minutes to try to, with, uh, and every day try to increase it a little bit. At least like two minutes in the day, I will try to eat really slowly and really try to feel what I eat. And uh, yeah, because it's, you're used to it, so it will be like not possible to change it immediately and bit by bit to change. And it's also a skill for you. It's also a bit uh, some kind of uh, mindfulness as well. It could also in general make you less feel less stressed, can make you feel more relaxed, uh, not only by increasing positive emotions. So I think yeah, the more you will do it, the, yeah, the easier it will be. But uh, so I think yeah, maybe in a year, if you practice for a year, maybe uh, you could uh, achieve to be being maybe. that. I think it's also important to also see the benefit and, and to realize that yeah, it could be useful for me to learn to slow down. And because yeah. also when you slow down, you start to think uh, mindfully and maybe also get, uh, you already have a lot of good ideas, but um, it could also make you... Yeah. increase your well-being in general yeah, indeed, indeed. No, i do agree with you and i do think you really need to be in the moment one thing i really really do not like these days of this culture is our photo culture um uh, you cannot really be in the moment when the first thing that comes to you in the moment is to wait i need to take a photo of this moment so i can remember this moment mm-hmm. kind of feels like an oxymoron right you want to enjoy this moment you want to take it in but you also want to take a memory of it and then you get out of this moment to take out your phone and then take take a good photo and then look at the photo while you're missing out on the real thing. It could be a sunset. Mm-hmm. It could be good food. Uh, and these days it is my daughter, right? Uh, so I'm like enjoying with my daughter, uh, but my wife goes like, let me take some pictures and let me take some videos. And I just mm-hmm. get out of it. I'm like, ah, but I was really enjoying with her. Now I feel like I'm posing. When she's enjoying her moment, she goes like, can you get the camera? Can you get the camera? She's smiling right now. And I'm like, yeah. And I run and I'm like, yeah, but I didn't even see her smile. I ran to get the camera because he asked me to get the camera, but I didn't even see her smile because I was running to get the camera. So you can see the problem with uh, modern society. A lot of people go to camera uh, concerts and festivals and all they're doing is just they have their camera on like this and they just, in, they say they're enjoying, but um, I don't know. There was study after study that said that people who did not record do feel like they enjoyed the concert more, but the people who took photos had less regret later on because they had a memory of the of the concert mm-hmm. while the people who enjoyed it more at the moment did regret not having some recordings or some photos to look back to so mm, yeah. how do we fix that that's yeah. my question to you yeah yeah how to fix that yeah but let uh, some of those people really get into the moment of just uh, taking pictures so i think maybe it's uh, maybe the more how it comes to me it's not uh, if you just take a picture one second two seconds and you forget but maybe like some people want to like constantly want to take pictures, post it on social media. And then uh, many things we do starts uh, to be just that we could post on social media to share to others and not because they themselves to truly enjoy it. And uh, yeah, whatever trend I often see that people, uh, yeah, they always in this concert, I'm here. But uh, yeah, often what motivates them to go is the social approval that maybe we could later share about it to others. Yes, I think, in, um, and this other thing, I think what is also good to remember to why I'm also to remember why I'm, I'm doing this and to try to, yeah, I'm doing it for myself and to try, really try to be there and to see these uh, benefits. Hmm. So, yeah, I but yeah, when, 
I get it. I get it. And uh, yeah. I I do understand this issue with social approval, and I do understand that sometimes people do not really have the intentionality behind it, right? They don't know sometimes why they're doing what they're doing. It becomes like instinctual. Like for mm-hmm. my wife, it's instinctual. She literally is enjoying with the baby and the baby smiles. And the first thing in her mind is like, okay, where's the camera? I need to take a photo. And I'm like, yeah, but why is that the first thought that comes into your head? Where is the intentionality behind it? And this is a good segue into our next topic, which is mindfulness. Now, this is a very, very heavy topic, right? Mindfulness, you hear it everywhere. It's mainstream. Everyone knows about it. So why don't you explain a little bit about what mindfulness is? Yes, there's also there's also many type of uh, mindfulness. It's also often originates from meditation. I think like practiced in various places. I think uh, when people sometimes they I think before this movement they hear it became they became a bit scared because they felt like oh it's associated with some kind of religion. But now we adapted mindfulness, which is more scientific based and researched. So it's also various ways that learn people. To be in the moment also and to uh, let it be like it can be in, in mindfulness itself there's various strategies ranging like from the body scan which makes you relax more in the body and also very useful for people who feel something more tense there's also some uh, muscle re- relaxation there's also meditation which focuses on your breath and also comes to helps to relax and it's also I often see it more as a training. You train your mind to be uh, calm. And uh, when I first started practicing it, I felt like, oh, I start my my mind wonders something, and I was thinking like guilty, and I was thinking I'm not doing it correctly. But I think this is uh, like might be always like that. And the goal is to keep your thoughts in the background, and more to focus on anything else uh, that you do at that moment. And then when you notice it comes to you, just to bring your moment focus back. So now when I do this mindfulness, if I start thinking about something else, I just gently come back and I'm uh, no longer is, uh, feeling bad that I'm thinking about something else. And um, yeah, so for me, when I do this mindfulness, when I stop it, it feels like after a good night's sleep, uh, mm. especially when you do it long. So often they recommend to do at least 30 minutes uh, per day or minimum, so sometimes longer. And uh, for those who have never done it, it can be really hard. But if you do it every day, it can be uh, like very, things that you like the most. Because like every day I do different things, sometimes muscle relaxation, sometimes observing, sometimes the breath. Uh, when you combine it the way you like, it can um, hey, reduce... Uh, and increase the well-being as well. And it's also a bit related with savoring and trying to, whatever you do, to try to be also mindful when you are with a daughter, to fully focus on her, or when you are at work, to try to truly be there. And the more you do it, and also during the day, you will also be more in the moment and it could also make you more resilient and yeah. a very stressful situation. You can also come back to it quicker, and it's also why also like a muscle because when, uh, as I mentioned, when anxious situations do come, or when stressful situations come, you easier come back to the baseline. Yeah. Because when you taught the skill of calming yourself down. Yeah, I I, I have been doing mindfulness for years now, uh, meditation, 
but I struggled to get past 10 minutes. Sometimes I did 20, 30 minutes, but that was guided meditation. So there's always someone like talking to me a little bit. And because of that, I remember, and then I come back because almost always I lose my train of thought and I'm starting thinking about multiple things or I fall asleep. And that happens mm. to me a lot that I just fall asleep uh, while meditating, especially if it's like a 30 minute meditation. So 30 minutes I have tried, uh, but it becomes difficult because just to stay with your breath for that long, as I said, you either fall asleep or you lose your train of thought. There's this one variation of this is called the Wim Hof method. Have you heard about that? I think a bit, yes. Uh, and the Wim Hof method, for those who don't know, is basically more intense breathing. And uh, it's more, so mindfulness is all about feelings and thought processes and thinking, uh, feeling nice. But Wim Hof is very like more evidence-based than, in, by evidence-based, I mean more physical than mental. It, what it does, it is trying to make you like into an, into something. So the Wim Hof method says, okay, you will be able to withstand more cold. You'll be able to withstand more this, more that, and that can happen. And I did do it quite intensely for a few weeks. And I might say it feels very nice after 30 minutes of the Wim Hof breathing exercises, because you're doing such deep breathing that you don't do when you're doing meditation, but then that becomes your goal. Then you're not really being under the blue sky or something like that. You're literally like focusing like, <sighs> And you go deeper and deeper and deeper till you, you're breathing in for like almost like 30 seconds or something. That's how deep your breath gets because you're again training yourself, right? You're stretching your limit again and again and again. It was intense. It was nice. But uh, yeah, I don't know how to feel about it. But uh, have you ever had an experience with the, the Wim Hof method? Yeah, I think, it's, yeah, I think it's also about finding what works for you. I don't know exactly into how it goes. But in, uh, maybe in mindfulness, also there's a lot of breathing uh, exercises as well. That you breathe in to, through your belly. Then you hold on. Breathe out through your mouth. And it's uh, also very very heavy holding. So there's also many of them as well. Uh, so then I think, uh, but then if this other method works for you well, but yeah, I'm not sure how safe it is. I think it's uh, yeah because I read here someone I think died. Uh, that from... that I've read as well. There, there is empirical uh, research saying it's good for you, but because the sample size is so small, uh, it's a risk because yeah, for it has to be on your health as well and how you're doing etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, if you're doing such deep breathing exercises while your heart is a bit um weak then you can imagine it being complicated because you're doing really deep breathing so your heart has to really pump harder than usual and then you also stop yourself from breathing i think after 30 or 60 breaths you take a break and you just stop breathing and then you stop breathing till as long as you can hold it and i went up to like two minutes two two and a half minutes and this was me doing it for like first few times. Some people claim that they can go all the way to 10 minutes after this exercise because mm -hmm. you you do such deep breathing that there's so much oxygen in your blood that you can manage to go for quite a long time. Yeah. But yeah, you can imagine someone being really, really uh, over uh, with this mentality and then does some brain damage to themselves because they're like, no, I can do it. Mm -hmm. But it, 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 yes, as you yes. said, it, it needs to work for you. Meditation yeah. and mindfulness is very interesting and intense. Uh, but yeah, as I said, it's it's a struggle. What do you, what are your thoughts about falling asleep? Do you do you have a way? Do you have a way or something that you can help those of us who just fall asleep when they're meditating? 
Hmm. Ah, so first, yeah, so maybe if you mentioned, uh, yeah, so one thing, it's also good that if you fell asleep easily, that means maybe I guess you also don't have problems falling asleep in general. I don't. Uh, My wife is very jealous uh, of that. I can fall oh, asleep yes. on a train. I can fall asleep on the side of the road. Yeah, because yeah, I can also <laughs> tell some examples. Sometimes I do have trouble falling asleep, but if during the day I do a mindfulness, I fell asleep really easily in the night because I also yeah. learned myself to calm down. Mm. So for those who have an opposite problem, who have difficulty falling asleep, for them it uh, can be good. But if you do fall asleep, yeah, maybe uh, me myself, I do now only guided meditation. Uh, so I think, uh, I don't know if one of them is better or worse. I think it's just yeah. important that you practice. So maybe if guided uh, helps for you. And uh, yeah, if it's, uh, and also often the highlight in, med in meditation is often not about falling asleep. So maybe it's trying to, a lot of practices in uh, mindfulness is about focusing on your breath. So yeah, trying to truly be on your breath mm. and uh, still trying to be conscious about it. Yeah, not about trying to doze off, but uh, about being mindful of what happens in your body. Uh, yeah, without trying to get into this uh, sleepy mode. So still trying to be conscious, but not about daily troubles, but about the other things in the, in the surroundings. Yeah, I understand. I think I think it would be interesting to see. I will try to apply some of this to my next meditation session. I don't do guided. I just put a timer on my phone, uh, on my watch for like 10, 15 minutes. And then I just breathe and breathe. I do start with a, a body scan. And then after the body scan, I just move to breathing till mm. because that's the way I learned from the app Headspace. Then I just keep repeating that one. So till my hand rings, I'm just breathing. But after a while, mm. I just go like, okay, why hasn't my hand rang yet? It's so annoying. I don't open my eyes, but I'm actively thinking about it. <laughs> mm. And then my mind wanders off to something else. Like, oh, I have to do this today. Oh, I, hope I was just, how, how's the little one doing? And by the time I know it, it starts ringing. Mm. And oh. then I don't know what works or doesn't oh. work. But oh, so do you practice every day? or? Yes, uh, I have a routine thanks to the little one. So I do it every day, uh, but I don't do it on the weekends. Uh, because mm. I feel like if I do every day, seven days a week, I wake up at six in the morning. I think it'll get annoying after a while because you need to like, you know, you need to have some break of structure. I believe routine is always nice, but... Also, you should have some periods of no routine. So I try to make my weekends free mm. and my weekdays completely structured. Uh, so that, so it's uh, also like a routine. Yeah. yeah. So meditation does fall in my weekdays. And then on the weekends, I don't do it. Mm. All right. Nice. So uh, let's try one last one. Then we can go a little bit more into the details. Uh, let's uh, go for what, what, which one would you like to talk about from the list that we have in front of us? Um, yeah, maybe also about, um, yeah, I mean, you wanted to talk maybe about this, uh, positive thinking. Uh, so yeah, we can also, yeah, do that. Yeah. Yes. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about positive thinking? Yeah. Maybe also in a cognitive behavioral therapy, at least this uh, word of positive thinking is often like, uh, a bit criticized and we often yeah. recommended to have rather adaptive thinking, which is. Because often uh, what causes people to have really negative or extreme emotions is this uh, unadaptive thinking, with really uh, thoughts which are distorted, not based on reality. So, for example, we often think uh, something like really negative. So then uh, in uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, we uh, 
is being tried to change the thoughts, not to the positive ones, but to the realistic ones and adaptive ones. That, mm. uh, like your thoughts, are, it's not that bad as you think. Or the, so when in, but in positive psychology, it's uh, yeah, often like we don't notice ourselves how many many thoughts we have. We are yeah, just also focusing on what goes wrong. It's uh, mm. and in positive psychology, it's also tried to really stop and see what I am telling to myself. Yeah. And because often we are yeah, telling quite maybe many negative things to ourselves and trying to spot it, uh, that we have it, and trying to reframe it in uh, and some positive light. So, for example, yeah, maybe you mentioned that you have a daughter, it's a bit some troubles now because maybe you have to wake up in the night, but you reframed it really positively, that you are really happy with it, and it really outweighs all the disadvantages, it seems. Yeah. So then it's also about yeah noticing what is so like reframing is often used technique. So mm. if something uh, negative happens, to always try to reframe it and see what's good in it. So for example, like before I hurt my leg and I thought it was the summer in the middle of the summer. So I thought like uh, yeah I will spend all the summer at home. So at first I was feeling really down yeah. because I also couldn't walk normally. But then I thought like, oh, it's a good possibility to spend a lot of time on my work, to really finish it, to start it going. And I think it was still quite good time. Uh, and I still find ways how to still move uh, despite it. And then because I chose to focus of uh, what is benefit, what's positive in there. So thinking... Um, also, yeah. in uh, in general, in psychology, if someone gets really bad medical illness, uh, at first there's a lot of shock, uh, a lot of uh, denial, but uh, sometimes people still find also meaning and positive in it as well. For example, it can help us them to revalue their life uh, or change uh, the direction of it to a more positive one. Hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, in psychology, it's often recommended to see uh, positive and negative. For example, we also mm -hmm. maybe know the people who still thrive despite obstacles or who thrive in obstacles. And we see those who really go deep down when they encounter obstacles. So I think what uh, maybe this yeah. uh, bit of positive thinking might be one of a factor which differentiates. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. I do have a really nice story about this. Uh, my wife's friend works in uh, in in healthcare so she is in a uh, doctor and uh, as it i said about the book that i was reading behave right that it's about not just our body and our biology and our genes shape our behavior but our behavior also shapes our genes in a way right so it's 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 a synergy it's a symbiosis not really a one way thing so our behaviors and our mentality can really help us in in fighting uh, of illnesses now the Dutch people are remarkably famous for being very uh, simple-minded when it comes to this. That's what the word they use, nochter, I've heard. But I do not know if that is a, a term that is not used uh, appropriately or not. So I do apologize in advance, but that's what I've heard. Uh, and the story goes like there was this 85-year-old woman who came to my uh, wife's friend's office. And she said that she has a little bit of pain here and there. So she was old. So when you're old, you don't you want to be safe. So you do all the tests all the possible tests to see if she has any disease and she had a lot of diseases she had cancer from a certain stage she had uh, failing stuff in her body and uh, 
my the doctor friend was genuinely shocked. She said that I am surprised that you're able to walk. That's how your body is right now. How are you handling it? I don't know. And she said, okay, so what do we do? How do we fix this? They're like, okay, we're going to try therapy. We're going to try chemo. We're going to try those many things. She said, I'm not joking. Six months later, she walked out of the hospital disease-free. All because her mind was so chill and so relaxed that I trust the process. I will work it out. It will happen. I don't have anything to worry about. While in Pakistan, for example, uh, you people do get cancer. And in my experience, so it's a very short sample size, but mostly when people get cancer around me in my neighborhood or when I hear about it, almost always they die within a year or something. Mm -hmm. Because it's not just the cancer that is the problem, but also the fact that in Pakistan, there's so much stress and taboo around cancer that you're not supposed to talk about it. And, uh, oh my God, God is punishing me. So they're thinking, they're reframing, not positively, but negatively. And that accelerates their disease. That makes it worse. Another example would be, there's this movie, I do not know if you've seen it, but this movie about this uh, grandmother in China. So in China, there's a very interesting concept for cancer. In China, you do not tell the person they have cancer. It's a, it's apparently a thing. You do not tell the person you have cancer. You tell their next of kin. So if the man has cancer, the wife knows. If the wife has cancer, the man knows. But the person who has cancer is wow. not supposed to know. It's a taboo. The story or the reasoning behind it is the same. That if we tell them that they're going to start worrying about this. Mm -hmm. So they don't tell. So this, this grandmother had cancer. The grandfather already passed away because of cancer. So the grandmother's sister was told by the doctor that she has cancer. And the, the, the protagonist of the movie, uh, the girl, the granddaughter came from the U.S., to visit the grandmother in China. So she was not happy about this. She's from the US, a different mindset. They're like, you're supposed to tell the person, you're supposed to start treatment and all of that stuff. And they're like, we don't do that here. Here, she has cancer. The doctors told me we're not supposed to tell her. All we need to do is make her do good. So she's taking her medication and she needs to live normally. So she was doing Tai Chi, that exercise that they do in, in the park. And uh, she never knew, knew she had cancer. It, this was a true story. Three, four years down the line, and she, I think, at stage three or stage four, stage three, I think. Three, four years down the line, the movie ended, saying that she's still alive, still well, doing Tai Chi, and she still doesn't know that she has cancer. So the idea behind it is that our brain is such a powerful mechanism, it, it, it creates our own reality. So using positive psychology or positive affirmations, you can create your reality to be positive or adaptive, or you can create it to be negative. And I think that's a very, very interesting uh, concept in a story. So I would like to wrap it up. I think we had a wonderful conversation and I think uh, we got our listeners a lot of different skills and frameworks that they can utilize in their own lives. Please let us know if any of these worked for you. In Spotify, you can also leave us uh, voice notes immediately in the app to let us know how you felt about this episode. Did you try something? Did you like something? Did you not like something? How's your experience been? Whatever is the case. And uh, before we leave, Indre, do you have any final thoughts on yeah. positive psychology? Yeah, so maybe something like to add there that uh, investing in positive psychology is like investment because uh, the more you practice with gratitude or anything else, the people will notice they will also be happier, they will be nicer to you, and you will also be happier. And also the more you do with good things to yourself, you will also feel better and also choose that people who are more like mindful, more grateful, or more positive. They sleep better, they eat better, and then you also are happier and else you want to do it more. So I think it's uh, like a really worthwhile investment to do. So then I would, uh, yeah, I think 
never, it's never too late to start. And uh, I think the more you will do it, the more you will uh, like train this muscle of uh, focusing on something you are not used to. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you completely. I think it's basically like exercise, right? Uh, why do we feel exercise? Really, because we want to be healthy and we do not have want to have any health problems going forward. Well, positive psychology or investing in psychology uh, is a way of you training your mind so that you do not have mental illnesses down the line. The concept is exactly the same. And like you have gym instructors who guide you when you want to be healthier, you have psychologists that guide you if you want to be mentally healthier. And I feel like the industry has its own taboos. And of course, a lot of people are not comfortable uh, thinking of it in this perspective. They think, as you said, more of a disease point of view. So it is difficult. Me and my wife have been trying to uh, start uh, couples therapy and not because we have any problems, but because I sincerely believe this was the year we got married. So imagine the year you get married, the happiest year of your life, it's the honeymoon phase. Mm -hmm. And I go to my wife and I go like, you know what? We need to start couples therapy. And she was shocked. She was like, aren't you happy? What happened? And I'm like, no, I am happy. But that is exactly, I want to start couples therapy because I want to stay happy. I don't want us to lose the happiness and then later on start therapy thinking we can fix it. If we start already, we will be able to nip it in the bud, right? Whenever the problems are starting to arise, it'll show up in our conversations and then we can immediately fix it instead of it boiling over years or decades but i still haven't managed to convince her she's still not in favor of it she's still like oh, because uh... people already have this association that it's something negative but i think exactly what i yeah. also have it's also could be very good preventative tool or even if it's very good it can even make it even better yeah because you, you maybe don't know how good it could be something it's a exactly, really good exactly. step that you decided to yeah take. but as you can see it is difficult and i can understand why it's difficult for some but uh it takes time. And I think the conversation we want to have here is to make everyone aware that it's normal and okay to go out and seek therapy or, or psychological support. We, I, that's why I don't like to call it help. A lot of people say seeking help, but that means there is a problem that you want to help, right? It's not really seeking. When you go to the gym, you're not seeking help. You're seeking support, right? So what you're trying to do here is you're trying to seek support, a person who can guide you better or a person who can uh, co-create with you something of meaning. So I really would recommend anyone who's interested uh, to try this out for themselves, see if you want support. Uh, I will list down Indra's details. If you think Indra is the one that you resonate with, you can always reach out to her for uh, to see if she has space for you guys. And if you want to reach out to me just as a conversation, I'm always all ears. So that's always nice. So I think that's mostly it for today. Indre, anything else you want to add? Yeah. Yeah. And also you mentioned you also coach and coaches are also ones which also specializes on increasing human talent and strength and positive. So I'm not, not sure exactly how you specialize in coaching, but I think coaches can be also excellent tool to learn to increase the positive. Yeah, indeed, so, uh, indeed, indeed. I think it's all about being an external thinking partner. I really don't think you cannot have enough. Like you have your gym partner, you have your psychologist, you should also have your financial uh, coach, uh, your accountant who helps you with your money. The same is with a coach who can help you think and, and see where your goals are. But thank you so much for the shout out, Indre. And uh, thank you so everyone you well. else for, uh, the, for listening in. So I will call it a day and uh, talk to you soon. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Have a good day. Yeah. Thanks. Bye-bye.